This episode of Never Not Knitting is brought to you by Funky Carolina. Find the shop online at www.funkycarolina.com. Hi, this is Alana, and you're listening to the Never Not Knitting Podcast. Hello everyone, thanks for joining me today for episode 40, the conclusion of season 4 of Never Not Knitting. I have to tell ya, it feels pretty good having aired 40 episodes now. There is a lot of work that goes on behind the scenes on each episode, so having 40 done feels like a really big accomplishment. I also realized while planning this episode, that I've been podcasting for two years now. I'm really glad that I stuck with it for this amount of time. Especially since, as time goes on, I feel so much more comfortable with the podcast, and it feels like it's getting easier to produce each episode, which is really nice. I feel like I've just kind of gotten into a rhythm with it. So that's definitely a benefit for sticking with it for several years. So anyway, enough about that. Let's get on to the knitting. Unfortunately, I don't have anything too exciting to share with you about my current projects. As I mentioned last time, I had my two projects on the needle, and I'm still working on them. I'm still working on the toy monster pattern for my daughter, as well as the second Fructigord hat. For the monster, I'm happy to report that I've finished all the knitting, and I even cut out the little white felt teeth, but I haven't brought myself to sew it all together yet. There is a lot of sewing that needs to happen around here, and, well, I'm not too excited about it. I know that it won't be that big of a deal once I actually start it. It's just the starting that's the hard part. I know that one of these evenings I just need to sit down and make myself do it. If I don't, my daughter might just badger me to death or whine herself to death. So it's just got to be done. The yarn that I used for the monsters was Lorna's Laces Shepherd's Sport, which is a really soft superwash wool. It's really nice. And I've had this yarn actually in my stash for over a year now, so... It felt really good to actually find something to use it on. The colors that I chose for the monsters are kind of bright and funky. I have a raspberry color and a grello. You know, greenish yellow. The colors look really cute and very childlike striped together, which I think fits these monsters very well. I'm going to make it a goal to have these monsters seamed up by next week. In fact, as I'm talking about it, I'm thinking that I might as well just knock them out tonight. I think. I may do that. If not tonight, soon. Maybe tomorrow. Or maybe the next day after tomorrow. Yeah, but I'll do them. I will. I will do them soon. So anyways, please check my blog soon to see the pictures, because they're going to be cute, and they'll be finished soon. 
So as for the hat project I'm working on, um, and don't make me say the pattern name again. We all know what happened with that last episode. You know the hat I'm talking about. I'm making the second hat, and I'm making it out of the aquamarine colorway in the Road to China yarn. And it's coming along really good. I'm a few repeats into it, and usually I hate knitting the same pattern twice, but this one isn't too bad. I find this design to be a very comforting knit. The pattern keeps your interest, but it's very predictable at the same time, and you don't have to constantly be looking at the instructions. And that is my favorite type of knitting. Also, since it's a lacy leaf pattern, you see these little leaves form as you knit, which provides much more instant gratification than if it was just a plain stockinette stitch piece. There's also the added benefit that this is a small project. There is simply just not enough of it to get sick of. It's just a really good pattern. Out of these two hats I'm making, I think I'm going to like my first green version the best. Because, well, it's green. And green with leaves just works out so well. But this blue version that I'm making, it's nice too. It's a really pretty color. And the friend that's getting it seems to wear more blue than green. I just think she's really going to like this color better. And that's the most important thing. I guess I just have to come to grips with the fact that not everyone is obsessed with the color green like I am. And, you know, that's okay. I'll try not to judge. Green will always be my favorite color. But I have to tell you, I am warming up to blue more and more as time goes on. I used to kind of hate the color blue. And don't ask me why. I know that doesn't make any sense. But in recent years, I found shades that I really actually quite like. For instance, I really like blues that have a lot of yellow added to them so that they're mostly green. Okay, so I'm kind of joking there. I do like turquoise. Some things that I've learned about myself as I get older is that I don't change much. For example, if you went to my parents' house and looked at the picture of me from my freshman year in high school that they have displayed in their living room, you would find that I look almost exactly the same. Well, not exactly. I'm much, much older now. But my hair is exactly the same. It's the same color, the same length, the same part, everything. I've been seeing the same hairdresser for 10 years, and every time I ask for the same thing. It's pretty sad how unadventurous I am. I really get in ruts. So speaking of ruts, I have been sort of in a green rut for several years now. I make mostly green sweaters, I buy green accessories, and I decorate with green. But I'm trying to be bold and think out of the box a little bit. So I'm happy to tell you that we're going to be moving to a new house again pretty soon. And I decided to be different and only paint 
two rooms of the house green, and the main part of the house a subtle turquoise type color. So see, I'm making progress. I'm moving slowly to the other side here. Maybe years from now, I'll be making nothing but blue sweaters, and blue will be the new green for me. Who knows? Anyhow, I think that now it's time for me to bring on the product reviews. For this episode, I'll be sharing a different type of product than I usually talk about on the podcast. Most often, this segment of the podcast is dedicated to reviewing yarns and occasionally knitting-related accessories. But recently, I started thinking, what about the spinners out there that listen to this podcast? I know that many knitters are also interested in spinning, so in honor of you spinners, this episode I'll be reviewing Funky Carolina Fibers. You may already be familiar with this company, but if you haven't heard of it yet, Carrie, who's the face behind the Funky Carolina company, is a wildly popular indie dyer. And when I say popular, I mean it. She cannot keep her fibers in stock. She has a large, loyal customer base that just can't get enough. She usually offers large shop updates on her own online shop, as well as Etsy, and all of the fibers are usually sold out in just a couple of hours from her posting it. Yeah. So, what makes Funky Carolina so popular? Well, let's just say her colors are fabulous. I'm not much of a spinner myself, but even I notice these fibers on Ravelry. They're beautiful, and she offers a big selection of colors. She dyes up bright electric shades, pale and subtle ones, and even dark moody shades as well. So there's something for everyone. As for the fiber itself, she offers many different blends as well. Everything from rustic wools to luxury blends. Her most popular fibers are merino wool and blue-faced lester wool, which you'll commonly see abbreviated to BFL. And it only makes sense that these are the most popular fibers because these are wools that you mostly hear about in our industry. I've heard a lot about blue-faced lester in the recent years. And to tell you the truth, I've always wondered why this sheep breed is called blue-faced lester. I mean, it's sort of an interesting name. So in case you were really curious too, I looked it up online and lester, spelled L-E-I-C-E-S-T-E-R, is actually a city in England. And this makes sense because this is an English sheep breed. And they're called blue-faced because, according to the internet, they literally have dark blue skin on their face that shows through their white hair. So that's just a little piece of interesting sheep trivia for you. Anyways, Carrie also says that these two fibers are also very popular when they are blended with silk. And I can see why. Wool and silk blends are my favorite to knit with, so I can just imagine that spinning with them would be equally as nice. If you have just started spinning, or you would like to learn how to spin your own wool soon, Carrie told me that she would suggest the blue-faced Lester wool for a beginner, because it has a very long staple length, and that's the length of the actual fibers. 
When the fibers are long like that, it's much easier to draft and prepare, which is really helpful. And it also doesn't break as easily when you're spinning it. Carrie also says that this fiber is great because not only is it easy to spin, but it's really soft against the skin. So that's an added benefit. For the more experienced discerning spinners, Carrie offers a variety of interesting, more exotic fibers to try out. She is soon getting in a shipment of Merino Cashmere Silk Blends, Yak and Merino Blends, Merino and Seasel, Organic Merino, and a variety of silk blends too. So there's lots of really fun things to choose from. I really hope you'll check out what Funky Carolina has to offer. I will of course be linking to both of her shops in this episode's show notes, and I'll also be linking to her blog because I really, really like it. Her photography is great, and it's just really fun to read and to get to know her a bit more. In preparation for this podcast, I asked Carrie a little bit about herself, and she told me that she's been dyeing fibers for three and a half years, which is really before the spinning craze really took off. And she also said that her inspiration is music. She says she only dies when she's happy or inspired and never forces it for fear that she would create unhappy or unworthy fibers. So I thought that was kind of cool. So if you would like to try out Funky Carolina Fibers for yourself, Carrie, as this episode's sponsor, has kindly offered a few very special opportunities just for you listeners. Remember how I told you that every time she updates her shop, her fibers sell out immediately? Well, Carrie has kindly decided to do a secret update on the 4th of August, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, on her website store, just for you. So, shh. She is not announcing this update to her regular customers ahead of time. It's only being announced here. So clear your calendars. In addition to the top secret update, Carrie is offering two different discounts, one for the U.S. customers and one for our international listeners. U.S. listeners will get free shipping on all orders placed in the month of August, and international listeners will get 15% off all August orders. You just have to enter the code NNK in the notes section when you check out, and Carrie will refund you the appropriate amount. She is also opening a few spots in her fiber clubs just for you. They've already sold out, but she'd like to give you guys an opportunity to sign up if you would like to. I will link to the club's info in the show notes. If you are unfamiliar, a club is when you sign up to receive a special fiber in the mail every month or every season. Usually club fibers are exclusive, and it's just fun to get surprises in the mail, isn't it? Carrie offers four different clubs that each have a different theme, so be sure to check those out. Remember that the NNK code only applies to fibers and not to club signups. In addition to all of that, I'm happy to announce that, as always, there will be a new drawing giveaway for you to enter. Carrie has provided two fiber sampler bags for you to enter to win, so there will be two prizes this time. They are super gorgeous, and I'll be posting the drawing details on my blog soon, so don't miss it. 
Speaking of drawings, I think it's high time for me to announce the winner of last episode's drawing giveaway. Everyone who left a comment under the drawing blog post was entered to win the two skeins of the Fiber Company yarn as well as the hat pattern. I selected a commenter at random and the winner is Chantal B. Congratulations! Please, when you hear this, email your shipping information to nevernotknitting at gmail.com. That way I can get your prize mailed out to you right away. Thank you all for entering. If you didn't win, don't worry. There are always more opportunities. I announce a new drawing nearly every episode. You never know. I might be announcing you as a winner next time. This episode's knitting story was contributed by podcast listener and knitwear designer Kate Oates. Learn more about the trials and tribulations behind designing knitwear with her story of The Dixie Do-Over. Among many other things, I'm a knitwear designer. I really love designing stuff for kids, but I also do some work for us big people. I've been doing this for long enough that I generally have a routine to my process. And it's not usually quite so redundant as it was during my latest design, the Dixie Lace Sweater. It started with a store-bought sweater that I went on to wear three or maybe four times during the first two weeks I owned it. I figured there was something I loved about it, other than it was the first new item I had bought for myself in months. After giving it some thought, I decided my favorite part was an intricate gather below the scoop neckline. It was a detail that caught the eye, which meant that my waistline wasn't the focus. I set out to build a new design around a similar concept. I then went stash diving. This is a bad idea for a new design. Generally, I try to pick a yarn that is widely available so that it's possible to make a duplicate of the sample shown in the pattern picture. However, I got really antsy to start on the project, and I didn't go through those proper steps. In my stash, I was drawn to some Rowan Cash Cotton DK in a pale icy blue that I've had sitting around for only a few months. In my infinite wisdom, I immediately cast on. Vague thoughts of, oh, I should really check on this, fluttered through my head, but I shushed them because Cash Cotton DK has been around for years, right? Plus, at this point I was just swatching, trying to figure out that perfect neckline and a lace pattern to go with it. There was plenty of time to check on the yarn later. My father says, all too often it seems, when you're stupid, you suffer. So I allowed myself to get caught up in the excitement to get it knit. I now had decided I needed to knit, block, and photograph it before the TNNA meeting so that I could wear it around. This is a big event where all the needle arts people get together. The check on this yarn thought was smothered by the ridiculous number of lace swatches I knit up trying to find one that was just right for the edging. Thank goodness that for once, the work I put in prior to casting on for the garment paid off because I didn't really struggle translating it to the needles. So the knitting went fairly quickly. It was somewhere after joining for the sleeves, working bottom up, that a sinking feeling made home in the pit of my stomach. I realized I had never checked on the yarn availability. I just knew that if I had remembered to check prior to knitting, it totally would have been available. And because I hadn't, it would definitely be discontinued. And sure enough, there you have it, folks. 
I am totally to blame for the discontinuing of Rowan Cash Cotton DK an entire year ago. Who knew I had so much influence? It was definitely too late to do anything except for finish knitting the first sample and proceed with my plans. At least if I wanted to wear the sweater at the trade show. Generous Twitter contacts said encouraging things like, just call for DK weight in the pattern. And I agreed that was an option. The only problem is that I'm a bit of a perfectionist. I'm also a bit obsessive about consistency. So you see, had I just gone with it from there, my tendencies would have required for me to backpedal on prior patterns and change them so that the information given was consistent. I know it seems ridiculous, but it's just one of those things. But at the time, I allowed myself to be swayed since there was only a week or so to the trade show. And if I was going to wear the sweater, it would be the one I was finishing up knitting. I already had the photo shoot scheduled, so I went ahead and modeled it. This opened the door to another can of worms. Though I've modeled, and let's use that term very loosely since I wouldn't want to offend professionals, some of my hat designs, I haven't done any garments and I was just really uncomfortable. The pictures aren't horrible because my photographer does a great job no matter her subject, but my hair looked very strange in the pictures because I had a bit of a self-dye party with my sister the week before, which ended up with my hair being a horrible crayon yellow color. So I just wasn't happy with that first sample and the pictures, despite pushing myself to get it finished and ready. I cast on for the second one the day before the show. I just wouldn't have been happy not pulling out all the stops and making it perfect before publishing the pattern. This time, I jumped at the chance to use a brand new yarn, Amy Butler Bell Organic DK by Rowan. Though I did wear the first sample at the trade show, I loved the second sweater even more. Also, I got to meet Amy Butler herself at the show, and I showed her my sweater in progress. She was nice enough to ooh and ah over it. Yep, I definitely love her. So I'm really happy with the final outcome of the design. I think it was totally worth all the effort. Photos of the second sample, in which I did not do any modeling, turned out to be so much nicer than the first. And now I can even wear the original Cash Cotton Dixie Lace guilt-free. Thank you again, Kate, for sharing your story on the podcast. I'll be providing a link to Kate's blog and Ravelry page in this episode's show notes. And of course, I'll post a link to the Dixie Lace sweater itself. It's a gorgeous design, so you must go take a look. Also, if you listening have an interesting knitting story that you would like to share on the podcast sometime, please email me. I'll be looking for new stories for the next podcast season. Again, you can find the show notes for this episode on my blog at nevernotknitting.com. You can also find me over on Ravelry as Never Not Knitting, and you can email me at nevernotknitting at gmail.com. Well, thank you again for joining me. I really hope you enjoyed this podcast season as much as I did. I'll be taking a short podcast break now, as I do after every 10 episodes of Never Not Knitting, but I'll be back on October 1st with episode 41, so be sure to join me then. Thank you very much for listening, and I hope you have a great couple of months. She won't even do the dishes. The house plants, they're all dead. Yeah, her needles are a-clicking. From morning until she goes to bed.
won't take the time to brush her teeth. Let's not even talk about her hair. If it isn't about knitting, she just doesn't really care. Stop the stitching, and the neighbors say it really is quite sad. I don't know about her. She used to be such a sweet girl, but now she's a snit. Nobody has clean laundry, no pants, no shirts, no underwear. But they have closets full of sweaters and more socks than they could ever wear. washer and dryer that's why she can't do any laundry I need some clothes she's never not knitting and it's making her husband mad her husband mad I'm filing for divorce she just won't stop her stitching and the neighbors say it's really getting bad she's taking pictures of socks again oh poor girl is burning up in flames her husband says get up let's go but she can't set down her project she says just let me finish up this row she's never not knitting and it's making her husband mad her husband mad won't stop her stitching and well she's losing all she had 